Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Monkey Business from 1931. The studio is Paramount Pictures. Release date was September 19, 1931. The running time, 77 minutes, and it was in black and white. Leonard Maltin from his classic movie guide gives it 3.5 out of 4 stars. His synopsis is, The four brothers stow away on a luxury liner. Groucho goes after Thelma Todd. All four pretend to be Maurice Chevalier in order to get off a ship. Full quota of sight gags and puns in a typically wacky comedy. Their first film written directly for the screen. The first two were Broadway play adaptations. <laughs> so this is actually the second episode on Damn Good Movie Memories with a monkey business title. The other being the completely unrelated screwball comedy from 1952 starring Cary Grant and Ginger Rogers, which is great, so check out that episode. Uh, I have no idea when I first saw the Marx Brothers monkey business, but it was likely on TV as a kid. I have the first five films in a DVD box set. There is no need to get into the main cast. I've done that already with the Coconuts and Animal Crackers episodes. And the director of Monkey Business was Norman MacLeod, who was still early on in his career as a director. This is only his fourth film. He would go on to direct the next Marx Brothers film, Horse Feathers. Now, McLeod's most notable films of his career were It's a Gift, which was a W.C. Fields movie, Pennies from Heaven with Bing Crosby, Topper with Cary Grant, and then the sequel without Grant, he did The Road to Rio with Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, and then became a TV director in the early 1950s and stayed in television until he died in 1964. All right, let's get into the making of the film. So it's the first Marx Brothers movie without Margaret Dumont, supposedly because she was not considered sexy enough for the love interest role. Also, it's the first movie where the brothers start the film together as opposed to meeting one another in whatever random location they just happen to be in. Thelma Todd became the straight woman for Groucho's jokes. Todd was a former school teacher and a Miss Massachusetts beauty contestant. Sadly, she died only four years later after this film was released at the age of 29 from carbon monoxide poisoning when she fell asleep in a car parked in her friend's garage. Now, the death was ruled accidental by the police who determined because she was locked out of her friend's house, she tried to keep herself warm inside the car with the heater on. As for the film, Groucho was not encouraged by the quality while he was shooting it and wrote a letter to his stockbroker which said, The picture is coming along slowly, and I predict it will be the most colossal failure in the history of the movie industry. Now, part of the problem was that the brothers were notoriously difficult to write for. There were supposedly over 12 writers involved by the time the script was finished. But Groucho was a comic genius, but obviously not a great predictor of film success, even his own, because Monkey Business was a huge smash hit when it was released to theaters. Alright, let's get into the film. So the opening credits are great. You see these four barrels rolling on a ship, and each one stops to introduce the four brothers, Groucho, Harpo, Chico, and Zeppo. The film opens with us discovering that our favorite lunatics are our stowaways on a ship. What is it? Sorry to have to report there are four stowaways in the forward hatch. Stowaways? How do you know there are four of them? Well, they were saying Sweet Adeline. Well, get them out of there, you hear? But we can't find them, and besides, they've been writing insulting notes. So, I'm an old goat, am I? Listen to me. Find them if you have to clear out that whole hatch. Yes, sir. 
Captain, when do we get in? Wednesday. Oh, I, I beg your pardon. Wednesday. Oh, thank you. In all my dreams, in all my dreams, your fair face beams. Your fair face beams. Ah, uh, this is the only way to travel, boys. The only way. I was going to bring along the wife and kitties, but the grocer couldn't spare another barrel. I was going to bring my grandfather, but there's no room for his beard. Why don't you send for the old swine and let his beard come later? I sent for his beard. You did? Yeah, it's coming by hair mail. Say, fellas, I think I hear someone. Well, if it's the captain, I'm going to have a few words with him. My hot water's been called for three days, and I haven't got room enough in here to swing a cat. In fact, I haven't even got a cat. My grandfather can swing a cat. Yeah. Hey, that'd make a good job for him. Yes. Come on, man. Hey, someone's coming. Come on, guys. Come it up. Listen, fellas. We gotta find those stowaways. And when we do, we'll put them in iron. Aye, aye, sir. Take a look in behind those cases. You fellas look behind those boxes. Never mind the barrels. Aye, aye, sir. What's that? I just said aye, aye, sir. Never mind that. Find those men. Aye, aye, sir. This then leads to a great cat and mouse game where the befuddled crew is looking everywhere but the barrels, <laughs> though the brothers make random noises inadvertently to liven up the hunt, like Harpo and his horn. Eventually, the barrels are connected to a crane to be above board, and then the brothers are revealed, which leads to a crazy chase around the ship. Harpo rolls a life raft around the deck like a spare tire before throwing it on a random passenger. They stop in an auditorium to do a quick little number with musical instruments laying on the stage. Groucho eventually runs into the captain and you get the patented rapid-fire dialogue you know and love from Groucho. Oh, Captain, tell us about the stowaways. Oh, I'll have them in the brig before long. That's terribly romantic. I'd love to meet a stowaway. <laughs> hey, you. Are these your gloves? I found them in your trunk. You guys go to your rooms. I'll be down shortly. Hey, who are you? Are you the floor walker of this ship? Oh. I want to register a complaint. Why, what's the matter? Matter enough. You know who sneaked into my stateroom at 3 o'clock this morning? Who did that? Nobody. And that's my complaint. I'm young. I want gaiety, laughter, hot cha cha. I want to dance. I want to dance till the cars come home. Oh. What do you mean by this? Another thing. I don't care for the way you're running this boat. Why don't you get in the back seat for a while and let your wife drive? I want you to know I've been captain of this ship for 22 years. 22 years, eh? If you were a man, you'd go in business for yourself. I know a fella started only last year with just a canoe. Now he's got more women than he can shake a stick at, if that's your idea of a good time. One more word out of you and I'll throw you in irons. You can't do it with irons. It's a mashie shot. It's a mashie shot if the wind is against you, and if the wind is, and I am. And how about those barrels down below? Barrels? Yeah, I wouldn't put a pig in one of those barrels. Now, see here, you... No, not even if you go down on your knees. And here's your gloves. You would take them, wouldn't you? Boy. And keep away from my office. Now, see here, you... Checo then arrives and ends up in a bit with Groucho. How dare you invade the sanctity of the captain's quarters? I thought he was the captain. Hey, I'm hungry. I'm going to look for something to eat. I'll take care of that. Hello? Send up the captain's lunch. Hey, two. Send up his dinner, too. Who am I? I'm the captain. You want to choose upsides? Oh, engineer, will you come to stop the boat from rocking? I'm going to have lunch. Well, what's the matter with you? What's the matter with me? I'm hungry. I didn't eat in three days. Three days? We've only been on the boat two days. Well, I didn't eat yesterday, I didn't eat today, and I'm not going to eat tomorrow. That makes it three days. Well, state your business. I've got to shiver my timbers. I got no business. I come up to see the captain's bridge. Captain's bridge? I'm sorry. He always keeps it in a glass of water while he's eating. 
Would you uh, like to see where he sleeps? <laughs> I saw that. That's the bunk. You're just wasting your breath, and that's no great loss either. A fine sailor you are. Uh, you bet I'm a fine sailor. You know my whole family was a sailor's? My father was a partner with Columbus. Well, what do you think of that, huh? Your father and Columbus were partners? You bet. Columbus has been dead 400 years. Well, they told me it was my father. Well, now, just hop up there, little Johnny, and I'll show you a few things that you don't know about history. Now, look. Now, there's Columbus. That's Columbus Cycle. Would you mind getting up off that flypaper and giving the flies a chance? Oh, you're crazy. Flies can't read papers. Now, Columbus sailed from Spain to India looking for a shortcut. Oh, you mean strawberry shortcut? I don't know. When I woke up there, was the nurse taking care of me. What's the matter? Couldn't the nurse take care of herself? You bet she could, but I found it out too late. Well, enough of this. Let's get back to Columbus. I'd rather get back to the nurse. So would I. But Columbus was sailing along on his vessel. On his what? Not on his what, on his vessel. Don't you know what vessel is? Sure, I can vessel. You suppose I could buy back my introduction to you? Now, one night, Columbus sailors started a mutiny. No, no mutinies at night. They're in the afternoon. You know, mutinies Wednesdays and Saturdays. As my argument, respect immigration. The food arrives, and Groucho and Chico decide to take over the meal from the captain. Well, of all the colossal impudence. Why don't you stand up? Can't you see he has no chair? What? Oh, you... You better keep quiet. We're a couple of big stockholders in this company. Stockholders, huh? Well, you look like a couple of stowaways to me. Well, don't forget, my fine fellow, that the stockholder of yesteryear is the stowaway of today. Well, you look exactly like them. Yeah, what do they look like? One of them goes around with a black mustache. So do I. If I had my choice, I'd go around with a little blonde. I said one goes around with a black mustache. Well, you couldn't expect a mustache to go around by itself. Don't you think a mustache ever gets lonely, Captain? Hey, sure it gets lonely. Hey, when my grandfather's beard gets here, I'd like it to meet your mustache. Well, I'll think it over. I'll talk it over with my mustache. Tell me, has your grandfather's beard got any money? Money? Why, it fell hair to a fortune. Now listen. Stockholders or no stockholders, you clear out of here. All right. Hey, maybe there's somebody in that room. There's somebody in that closet there. And I think it's you, Captain. Well, now we can eat in peace. All right, here's a piece for you. Hello, baby. Hey, pardon, Captain. How dare you enter the captain's quarters while I'm eating? Sorry, sir. <laughs> now I got you. Don't forget the button. In the meantime, Harpo is waiting for the guys next to the restrooms. This leads to a funny gag where he's accidentally covering up the sign that says women, though he's only covering up the W and the O part, which leads to a man getting forcibly tossed out of the room. It also leads to a go-to gag for Harpo as he chases a woman around the ship like a child. It's always a blonde woman, too, it seems. Zeppo, who is not as insane as the other brothers, ends up meeting a woman and hangs out with her. Harpo ends up in the children's section of the ship, where he belongs, where a marionette show is happening. This is a really funny scene as Harpo ends up hiding out from the captain by being part of the show, making faces like only he can and making the children howl with laughter. The first officer in command gets a bit of a revenge on Harpo as he pokes him with a pin in the butt and then strangles him to the delight of the children who think it's all part of the show. However, Harpo does eventually win out as the captain appears and believes his officer is drunk and reprimands him, and it's just a terrific scene. The next bit has Harpo and Chico together as the ship's barbers, giving one of the officers a shave who has a very long mustache. As you can imagine, by the time they are done, the mustache is completely gone, not just trimmed. 
Now, at this point, you might be wondering if there is any plot to this film. Well, there is, but if you've ever seen a Marx Brothers film, you should know that the plot never actually matters. In this case, the very loose plot involves two feuding gangsters who happen to be on the ship. This part of the plot begins when Groucho is evading the first officer and he ends up in a room of the gangster's wife, Lucille, which is Thelma Todd. Hey! Who are you? I'm the tailor. Oh, that reminds me. Where are my pants? You've got them on. Now, pardon me while I step into the closet. And get a load of this. If you come in again at 3 o'clock in the morning, ah, I'm stop bothering me. Tell it to the tailor. Elkie! Say, what are you doing in there? Nothing. Come on in. You can't stay in that closet. Oh, I can't, can I? That's what they said to Thomas Edison, mighty inventor. Thomas Lindbergh, mighty flyer. And Tomaszewski, mighty like a rose. Just remember, my little cabbage, that if there weren't any closets, there wouldn't be any hooks. And if there weren't any hooks, there wouldn't be any fish. And that would suit me fine. Don't try to hide. I know you're in that closet. Did you see me go in the closet? No. Am I in the closet now? Well, no. Then how do you know I was in the closet? Your Honor, I rest my case. Come here, brown eyes. Oh, no. You're not going to get me off this bed. I didn't know you were a lawyer. You're awfully shy for a lawyer. You bet I'm shy. I'm a shy for a lawyer. Well, then, what do you think of a negative? I know, I know. You're a woman who's been getting nothing but dirty bricks. Well, we can clean and tighten your brakes, but you'll have to stay in the garage all night. I want excitement. I want a hot... You don't realize it, but from the time he got the marriage license, I've led a dog's life. Are you sure he didn't get a dog's license? Oh, Alky can't make a fool of me. I want to go places. I want to do things. I want freedom. I want liberty. I want justice. <laughs> Madam, you're making history. In fact, you're making me. And I wish you'd keep my hands to yourself. Oh, you know what I want. I want life. I want laughter. I want deity. I want a hot... <laughs> Madam, before I get through with you, you will have a clear case for divorce. And so will my wife. Now, the first thing to do is to arrange for a settlement. You take the children, your husband takes the house. Junior burns down the house, you take the insurance, and I take you. But I haven't any children. That's just the trouble with this country. You haven't any children. And as for me, I'm going back in the closet where men are empty overcoats. Oh, brown eyes. This leads to a funny dance number between the two throughout the cabin. That is until the gangster, Alki Briggs, returns. At first, it seems like Briggs is simply going to go bump off Groucho, but he ends up liking Groucho since he doesn't have a care in the world. Zeppo then ends up in the cabin, and Briggs decides that he has use for the stowaways he's heard so much about in order to bump off his rival. Harpo, in the meantime, takes a live frog from a makeshift pond and puts it in his hat. Then he and Chico end up watching two older men playing chess before they just take over the game to the outrage of the men. As it turns out, the woman named Mary that Zeppo was chatting up with is the daughter of the other gangster on the ship, Joe Helton. Briggs ends up in Helton's room, and while the two argue about who's going to take over what territory in their cities, Harpo and Chico just happen to end up in the room with the chessboard. Briggs thinks that Harpo and Chico are part of Helton's gang. So of course you know that then Briggs will use Groucho and Zeppo as part of his gang. 
This leads to a hilarious scene where Harpo and Chico lose track of Helton and end up following the wrong people while scaring everyone on board since they're openly carrying guns. Groucho then runs into Helton and decides to make him an offer he can't refuse. You're just the man I want to see. If I could show you how to save 20%, would you be interested? Of course you would. In the first place, your overhead is too high and your brow is too low. Interested already, aren't you? I... Now, just wait till I get through. I haven't got time. Now, there are two fellas trying to attack you, aren't there? And there are two fellas trying to defend you. Now, that's 50% waste. Now, why can't you be attacked by your own bodyguards? Your life will be saved, and that's uh, that's 100% waste. Now, what do you got? You still got me, and I'll attack you for nothing. Say, what are you getting at? I anticipated that question. How does an army travel on its stomach? How do you travel on a ship? Of course, you're saving your stomach. Now, that same common sense... I don't think you realize... Oh, I realize it's a penny here and a penny there, but look at me. I've worked myself up from nothing to a state of extreme poverty. Now, what do you say? I'll tell you what I say. I say... All right, then it's all settled. I'm to be your new bodyguard. In case I'm going to attack you, I'll have to be there to defend you, too. Now, let me know when you want to be attacked, and I'll be there ten minutes later to defend you. I've already got two bodyguards, but uh, I'll think it over. Harpo ends up losing the frog from his hat, and this leads to a hilarious mix-up where he overhears a passenger telling the barber that he has a frog in his throat. Harpo then attacks the guy and literally tries to get the frog out of him. (laughs) Eventually, Harpo gets his real frog back. Then we get more randomness as Groucho runs into a famous opera singer who is being interviewed by two newspaper reporters. Groucho interrupts the interview like only he can. How do you do, Madam Quenchy? Oh, hello, boys. Any statement for the press this time? No, I'm afraid not. Nothing of interest on this last tour. Is it true that the opera's on the decline in Central Europe, madam? Absurd. I predict they're going to have the greatest year they've ever had in Grand Opera. Pardon me, is it true that you're going to get married again while on this tour? Why, gentlemen, <laughs> I, I don't know what to say. Gentlemen, I'd say just this. The bicycle will never replace the horse. On the other hand, the horse will never replace the bicycle, which is quite a horse on the bicycle if I ever saw one, and I don't think I ever saw one. I dare you to print that, you muckrakers. Have a cigar, babe. Okay, for the picture, Joe. Pictures? Here's a little sex belt for your front page. Now, uh, hold it steady, please. And you can say it was a real love match. We married for money. Eh, my shrinking, Violet? Say, it wouldn't hurt you to shrink 30 or 40 pounds. Oh, you impudent Ted. I'll report you to your paper. I'll thank you to let me do the reporting. Is it true you're getting a divorce as soon as your husband recovers his eyesight? Is it true you wash your hair in clam broth? Is it true you used to dance in a flea circus? This is outrageous. If you don't stop, I'll call the captain. Oh, so that's it. Infatuated with a pretty uniform. We don't count. After we've given you the best years of our life, you have to have an officer. I don't like this innuendo. That's what I always say. Love flies out the door when money comes innuendo. Well, goodbye. It's nice to have seen you, but I've got nobody to blame but myself. Ta-ta. Now, could you tell me... Oh, please. The next problem for the brothers is getting off the boat without a passport. Zeppo ends up stealing the passport of a famous singer named Maurice Chevalier, which gives Zeppo an excuse to sing. This is also the first for a Marx Brothers film because we're 45 minutes into the film and finally there's a musical number, though it's very brief. It's only 10 seconds. This is partly what makes Monkey Business one of my favorites of the first five films. So this bit turns into each brother using Chevalier's passport as they briefly sing one of his songs. The funniest is when it's Harpo's turn because he's always mute. So of course he doesn't sing. He just walks on the table with all the papers and then throws them all around like a maniac. However, when it is his turn to perform, Harpo has a trick under his coat as he plays a mini phonograph of the real Chevalier while he lip syncs. The plan goes awry when the phonograph starts to play at a slower speed. It's just great. It's the highlight of the film. The boys end up sneaking off the boat together in a stretcher after one of the passengers fainted. (laughs) They're all bundled up together during the confusion. Now that everyone is off the boat, the plot 
really becomes exclusively about the mob war between Briggs and Helden. But does anyone really care? The boys all end up at a party, which of course involves the gangsters. Both Briggs and, and Helton think that Groucho is working for each of them. However, Groucho only cares about finding Briggs' wife, Lucille, with whom he ends up dancing with again on the balcony. This leads to a funny conversation between them and another couple. No, 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 don't. My husband might be inside, and if he finds me out here, he'll wallop me. Always thinking of your husband. Couldn't I wallop you just as well? Well, I heard Alky talking about this party. Oh, I've dreamed of a night like this, I tell you. Now you tell me about some of your dreams. Dreams? <laughs> I can't even sleep anymore wondering who he's chasing around with. Oh, why can't we break away from all this? Just you and I, and lodge with my fleas in the hills. I mean, flee to my lodge in the hills. Oh, no, I couldn't think of it. Don't be afraid. You can join this lodge for a few pennies. And you won't even have to take a physical examination, unless you insist on one. What a swell home life I've got. Why, I think I'd almost marry you, despite that double-crossing crook. Mrs. Briggs, I've known and respected your husband, Alki, for many years. And what's good enough for him is good enough for me. Oh, Emily. Oh, Henry, carefully. Somebody may see you. Oh, I've been careful too long. Well, now that you brought that up, just how long have you been careful? Oh, they saw Now, be calm, Emily. I'll talk to them. You won't say anything about this, will you? Sir, are you trying to offer me a bribe? How much? Oh, but you don't understand. You see, I'm not happy with my husband. Uh, he should have married some little housewife. Madam, I resent that. Some of my best friends are housewives. <clears throat> now, see here, if you're going to talk Listen like to me here. You're living in a fool's paradise. You intend to spend $10 to buy this woman a ring? Look at this. It's solid brass and a buck and a half takes it away. What do you say? I know it'll fit her. I got it from the nose of a savage. What? Well, oh. a buck and a half. You can have it for a dollar. Fifty cents and not a nickel under. Now then, my friends, what am I offered for this fine French piece of bric-a-brac? Oh, I know what it is to be unhappy. How do you think I feel? Here I am stuck with this ring. I've been married for four years. Four years of neglect. Four years of battling. Four years of heartbreaks. That makes twelve years. You must have been married in rumpers. Mighty pretty country around there. You think you'll ever go back? Come here, babe. I like you. Oh, I shouldn't. What about my husband? That's all right. Maybe we can get a girl for him. <gasps> Who is that? My wife? Married to her 12 years and you have to ask me? What are you doing out here? I thought I told you to spy on Hilton. I did spy on him. What was he doing? He was spying on me. Did he see you? No, I was too foxy for him. All he could do was spy on me. I'll get back in there. We're all set to cut his girl. Okay, Chief. Well, it's almost an hour in and the film is almost over, so you know we couldn't go an entire Marx Brothers film without some standard musical numbers. So you get a random piano playing scene from Chico... Harpo ends up chasing more women around the party, but as always, he never catches them. Harpo also, of course, ends up playing the harp, which ends up being funny and saving us from the awful soprano singing from one of the female guests. And then there's Mary, Joe Helton's daughter and Zeppo's girl, who ends up being kidnapped by Briggs. So the rest of the film, which is only 10 minutes, involves trying to rescue her, which ends up in a barn with a number of farm animals being part of the insanity. Again, none of it really matters. You're watching for whatever madcap antics the brothers just happen to get themselves into. 
So to reiterate, Monkey Business I enjoy because the musical numbers are bundled in the end of the film. Though frankly, they're just better off if they had just skipped them back in the day. But these movies weren't supposed to have any sort of shelf life after their initial run in the theaters. This was back in the early 30s. So nobody could have predicted that you know the advent of television was going to come or even home video in the future. So the producers basically had to remind the audience of the Marx Brothers' talents in each and every film. All right, some fun facts. Because of the success of Monkey Business, there were plans for the brothers' next film to keep the gangster plot angle. However, when Charles Lindbergh's son was kidnapped and the alleged kidnappers were said to be mobsters, that plot line was scrapped. The Irish government banned the film thinking it might encourage, quote, anarchic tendencies. <laughs> so the ban was only lifted in the year 2000. Jeez. According to the late TCM host Robert Osborne, during the first day of shooting, it's reported that the Marx Brothers showed up in each other's clothing and impersonated each other. Sam Marx, who is the Marx Brothers' father, is sitting on the crates behind them after they're carried off the ship. All right, we have big-time guest Joseph Staub, who has talked about the first two Marx Brothers movies that I've covered on this podcast. And so, of course, he returns to talk about monkey business, and he's great as always. And I'll be back next week with yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, we're back with Joseph Staub. Welcome back, Joseph. Thanks again for having me, Brian. It's been a while. It has, but I know you are a huge Marx Brothers fan, and so who else will I go to but you? So it's perfect. We've talked about the first two Marx Brothers movies, the Coconuts and Animal Crackers already. So it's time to do the third one, which is Monkey Business from 1931. Uh, where, Before we get into actually that film, where do you think this ranks for you in all the Marx Brothers movies? I, I go back and forth on this one because in some cases, I think like some of the comedy is some of their best bits, especially like like I say in every review, Groucho's dialogue. But I think my biggest problem with the movie is that a lot of them don't have a lot to do in this mm -hmm. movie, um, especially like uh, Chico doesn't have a lot to do in this movie. Harpo has some stuff to do, but he, of course, makes the best of it, like always. And then, of course, as, as I say in every review, Zeppo just feels tacked on like always. Sure. This is probably the, the, the first one in of the three we've reviewed where I feel like he has no business in this movie whatsoever. Zeppo, um, that is. Yes. Yeah. I don't think he was needed to play like the straight man character uh, against all the comedy. I think the people around them did enough well enough job, especially like the two main gangster characters and the boat captain and so on and so forth, that I think he was kind of unnecessary, especially with the whole romantic subplot with him and the and the mobster's daughter. Yeah, and it, it, it really just it didn't feel like it was necessary. Yeah, almost. Yeah, you're right. And, and this actually, uh, compared to the first two movies, seems like Zeppo is actually in this more than ever. So yeah. maybe they made a conscious decision to do that. He's in it more, but he has less to do, which is weird. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I'm glad you pointed that out. The, what I think the noticeable absence in this movie is Margaret Dumont. Do you yes. think she's? Do she? Do you think she's really missed in this? I think so because I think a lot of the female characters are extremely like one dimensional. Yeah, and um. You really miss Margaret Dumont. I mean, and of course she comes back in some of their later films, but I think that she's extremely missed in this film in particular because the only really char female characters of note are the one mobster's wife, the other You're mobster's right. daughter, and then that one. I don't is she a is she a, a star or something that they the one that Groucho sort of like makes fun of on the boat when he's pretending to be a reporter or whatever. Right. That that's like the that's like 
that would be like the Margaret Dumont character, I'd say, because he kind of makes fun of her appearance and everything. And it, if it was Margaret Dumont, she'd have a lot more to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a great point. Um, so we've established kind of like that the Marx Brothers movies are, plots are never really super strong. How, how did you feel about this one, especially with the gangster angle? For once, I think the plot was actually a little bit more to the forefront than in some of the past films. Because, sure. I mean, this was actually, I think, I'm pretty sure this was actually based, for, this was the first film that was not based on a Broadway musical. It was actually based on, I think, was it, was it a Lewis Carroll story? Yeah, you are, yeah. Um, It was based on a Lewis Carroll story. So, of course, it, by that, the plot would actually be a little bit more important than in the first two films, which were based on Broadway musicals, which Broadway musicals of the time were a lot more, songs and skits and not very much plot and you could definitely mm-hmm. tell in the film adaptations that that, that carried over thank god that there's <laughs> almost no singing in this movie which was my biggest sort of gripe with the first two movies the extremely unnecessary show tunes oh man uh, in this movie it's like a lot more plot based i mean all the the all four of them doing their imitations of Maurice Chevalier, right, which is great, and like the 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 uh, ballroom scene. So it's a lot of instrumental music, not a, it's not like show tunes. And I think that that definitely takes it above. Uh, definitely, you asked me earlier where this kind of falls in my um, ranking. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely is above the coconuts, mainly just because the coconuts was obviously a Broadway musical sure. that they just threw onto film, and I don't think it's better than um, Animal Crackers. I think that I, I enjoy Animal Crackers more because at least in that one, the show tunes kind of fit in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have like some extremely well-known songs in that movie. And I think the plot moves pretty well in Animal Crackers. I think the plot's better here, mm-hmm. but I think I enjoy that one more in general. But I think their best movies are still yet to come. Agreed. And I, I think that this is a this is an okay, not bad, not great movie, but I really enjoy. Like I said, of course, Groucho's dialogue. Oh, what, what what's the line when he's talking to uh to the mobster? I uh I worked my way from nothing to uh extreme poverty or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of my favorite lines, and his his bits are always great. Of course, when he's talking to the boat captain, sure, and then later when he's in uh trying to romance uh, the mobster's wife out on the on the lanai or whatever. He's, of course, the best part of this movie, like most Marx Brothers movies. But I think Harpo kind of gets his bits in as well. You could definitely tell they didn't have as much for Chico to do. And like I said, uh, Zeppo just kind of feels like he was kind of there. <laughs> yeah, he was shoehorned in. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you brought up the, the music because they, at least with this one, if I remember correctly, they, it's pretty much at the end, like almost for now yeah. goes in. And, and, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get out of the musical numbers. Then they do kind of kind of toss them in. But by then you're almost like, OK, fine. You know, you can have your musical numbers. And, and even then, the ones at the end aren't really musical numbers. It's just more like it's just it's a, it's Harpo playing the harp. Right. And, like, right. So it, 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 it fits more into the plot of the movie than like, say, the random showgirls at the beginning of the coconuts. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> You can definitely tell they're they're kind of starting to begin to, like, master the way these fit in. Like, you could tell in uh, Animal Crackers, like, Hooray for Captain Spaulding is, like, it's uh, it's iconic. But yeah. as we, we, t- we talked about, it kind of just meanders on for a really long time. It does. Like, it, it, does. it, it, it just kind of never ends, and it just keeps repeating and repeating. 
So I think they finally started to get in this point um, where they kind of wanted to be with it. And then, of course, you'll see when you get to movies like Duck Soup that there are no musical numbers at all. Right. Except for like a little bit like here and there, just like just little things. And it's it, I think that's where they finally got to the point where they're like, OK, we don't need a musical number every five minutes. We are the stars of the show. This is what people want to see. Yeah, exactly. They're a proven commodity. Uh, the bits, I mean, some of the, the the best bits or most famous bits, obviously, the, in the when they're in the barrels, kind of in the beginning, uh, Har- uh, Cheek, or, <laughs> yeah, Harpo taking the uh, <laughs> the signs and, and play, you know replacing them on you know for men and women, mm-hmm. and uh, and of course Maurice Chevalier, as you said. So, what are your favorite bits from from the film? I really I like the, the Maurice Chevalier bit, especially. Um, when uh, Harpo has the uh, the phonograph on his back and it slows down and he has to crank it up, right? <laughs> and um, uh, some of my other favorites, I, I, the the ending scene with uh with Groucho with the needle in the haystack and Harpo and Chico with playing uh ch- was it was it chess or checkers? I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, when they when they interrupt the game in the mobster's room and then that's how they get hired. And then of course the ch- kind of uh, chase around the boat where they all uh, they give the guns. I think it was what um, Groucho and Zeppo. Right. And they throw them in the they throw them in the wash bucket. Yeah. And he gives them more, and then they they're following different people around the boat. Right. And then of course, um, like the chase when um, Groucho dresses up as the boat captain and all that stuff. It's 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 a lot of fun little like uh, secluded bits that all kind of fit into the overall narrative. Yeah, which is a perfect way to describe a Marsh Brothers movie. Yeah. Um, so you recently watched this. Was there anything new you picked up or anything you didn't like? Or, you know, what, what was the most, uh, you know, your m- most recent uh, reviewing? Did you take anything away from that? One of the things I took away from the most recent viewing was that it a lot of the side characters were not very interesting or well acted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, Zeppo's love interest, the mobster's daughter, extremely poorly acted not really that interesting at all. I think the two main mobsters were pretty well acted. And I think the boat captain, I think those three characters were probably the best of the side characters, mm-hmm. but a lot of the other characters were just, it, you could, it, they, it wasn't, you could tell they weren't working with a lot of their normal character actors and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and you could tell that everyone was kind of a little out of their element with this. Cause some of them were trying to play it really straight. Some of them were trying to kind of ham it up like the boat captain was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it didn't, completely work and i think that that was the biggest thing i took away from this was that like not everyone was necessarily completely sure of the assignment i don't think so what are your final thoughts for this like i said i think it kind of falls towards the middle of their filmography i I enjoyed a lot of it especially like some of like the bits we talked about of course groucho's dialogue like always he's one of my favorite comics um but overall i think it was um a step backwards from animal crackers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that's a good point. I mean, uh, I think the best way to watch the Marsh brothers, not, don't buy these movies individually. It's good to buy them as a package because they're all good to kind of watch at once. And then you can kind of, you know, decipher which one's better. Uh, um, but they all kind of have their moments, which is nice. Mm-hmm, I, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as always, thank you so much, Joseph. And I know you're going to be back on real soon. Yep, thank you again, Brian. Come hang out and chill with Brian A. Davis and the bad beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com.